comprehension that we might be able to comprehend each day a little bit more of it. Every single person you come in contact with, even the most sour and grumpy person, is an opportunity for you to turn inwardly to Jesus and say, Jesus, let me be a vehicle of your love to that person. Being Jesus to the world around you isn't always easy. You'll face opposition and even complete rejection of your message. Pastor Daniel today wants to remind you that it's important to keep acting like Jesus even when it's hard. You don't have to do it alone, though. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with His joy and peace. Let that be the strength you hold on to when you face resistance. Your representation of Christ might just change a life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 8 as he continues his message, Spiritual Living. You're allowed to do lots of things, but just because you do it doesn't mean it's pleasing to God. If you're in the flesh, the Bible says unequivocally, it's not pleasing to God. In the same way, if my little Annabelle, who I love so much, now I love little Annabelle, But if Annabelle decides that she is going to paint her room, that will not be pleasing to dad. Now, you know that Annabelle, she's an artist. You know, Annabelle tried on an outfit the other day and she told Lynn, I like this outfit. It shows my true personality. (laughs) I love this little face. She's so fun. Like, is she just allowed to paint her room? Can you imagine what Annabelle would paint her room? If you want to know, you can invite her to your house and give her paints. Some modern art going on. See, listen, when you're in the flesh, you can't please your father. You have to have God's purposes in mind. But then it says, now you know I love this, verse 8, or verse 9, but, you see that in verse 9? I want everyone to circle the word but in verse 9. What do we call this at Crossroads? The glorious buts of the Bible. That's what we call it. This is one of my favorite butts in the Bible. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Now I'll say it to you this way. God is pleased to have the Spirit dwell in you. God is pleased to have the Spirit dwell in you. And when I told you when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, at that moment, it has nothing to do with any of us. Because when the moment a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God sovereignly dwells within a person. The Spirit of God takes up residence within the life of a person. See, and really what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying, look, if you're in the flesh... You can't please God, but he's saying, but you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, here's the simple question. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? 
It's a simple question, isn't it? How does the Spirit of God come to dwell in a person? It's simply this, that a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, in his perfectly lived life, in his death on the cross, in his resurrection. When that happens, the Spirit of God takes up residence in the life of a person. And then Paul goes on to say, he says, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So if a person does not have the Spirit of Christ dwelling within them, then you are not Christ's. So the Spirit of God is absolutely essential, primary, necessary for the believer. Without it, you're not a believer. If a person has put their faith and trust in Jesus, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit gives a person a totally different life. The life of God. Listen to what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And I want to encourage you. I'm only going to read verses 13 and 14, but Ephesians chapter 1 is so powerful because really what we're going to see in this passage is what we, the church is commonly called the doctrine of the Trinity. One God revealing himself to humanity as Father, Son, and Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14 lays it out. First we see the Father's work, then we see the Son's work, and verses 13 and 14, which we're going to read right now, shows the Spirit's work. But listen to what it says. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Do you hear what it says? That when you believe in Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, then, according to the Apostle Paul, he says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, the idea of the seal in that culture, the seal was the seal of the signet ring. When someone bought something, like this was long before, you know, now you go into a store and you walk out with it, by and large, right? But imagine, uh, for those of you who are old, you remember when you put something on layaway? Like before you had a credit card? Right? Like if you wanted to buy something, you put some money down, you put some money down, you put some money down. When you pay the whole thing off, then you get the thing, Right? And they weren't allowed to sell it until if you paid it off within the time. Back in, the, in that day when you were to buy some merchandise, you would have a signet ring. And they would almost put almost like, those of you who are artistic when you write letters, you'll like put a little lighter to a crayon on, to close the letter. You put that little, your little, your little, uh, your little letter there. Any of you artistic like that? But you know what I mean? That's the signet ring. The idea is that it's the affixing of, our, of your seal on something that I own this. So it says that when you believe in the Lord and you believe in the gospel of your salvation, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That word guarantee, it literally means in the Greek language, the engagement ring. Now, for those of you who are married, do you remember the, when you got engaged? For those of you who aren't married, but maybe want to be married. Don't you, aren't you looking forward? Aren't, aren't you hoping that your soon-to-be spouse does a good job at that moment? I always tell, when I hear that someone got engaged, I'm like, I always look at the, at the bride and be like, did he do a good job? I always say that. You know, and every once in a while you get that look like, I'm like, I'll pray for you, don't worry. <laughs> Expectations ruined. At least he's like putting the bar low, you know? 
I remember when Lynn and I got engaged. It was so awesome. It was so cool. We got engaged in Bidwell Park in Chico, California. It was so fun. It was like we, 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 were, we were picnicking there. I had this big old box with a ring in my pocket. Right? I remember it took her about 40 minutes to say yes because she was saying, no way, no way. It felt like 900 years. <laughs> Finally, then I'm like, yes, really? Are you saying yes? And she's like, oh, yes, Daniel. I'm like, God. It was, she dragged it out for a long time. God bless her. I love her, you know. I thought she was going to say no. Finally, she's like, oh, this is exciting. No. You know, I wouldn't have blamed her either. But you think about what an engagement ring means. It's not just your way of supporting the diamond industry. When someone is engaged, every time you look down at that engagement ring, what does it mean? It means at a day in the future, the person who gave me that ring is going to make me their spouse. That's what it means. It's a promise. And in the exact same way, the Spirit of God is God's promise to us that one day soon Jesus is going to come back and he's going to receive us to himself. And for the person who the Spirit of God dwells within, every single moment of your life you are reminded that God is going to come and redeem his purchased possession, his church. How powerful is that? See, the Spirit of God is God's way of reminding us of how this is all going to come to pass. Now, I want you to notice something here because people get confused about the Trinity. I was just talking to someone recently. They said, well, you know, Daniel, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. I'm like, you're right. But the concept of the Trinity is completely through your Bible on every page. You don't believe me. Look at these verses here and look at the way the Spirit is described in these verses. Right? First we have, verse 9, the Spirit. Next you have the Spirit of God. Also in verse 9, the Spirit of Christ. Verse 11, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. And then the end of verse 11, His Spirit. So the question is, is whose Spirit is it? Is it God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Him, the Father who raised Jesus, the Son, from the dead? Do you realize that the Apostle Paul is not offended by using all of these different ways to describe the Holy Spirit in three verses? Why? Because the Bible teaches one God, eternally existent, and humans experience that one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So it's not like Jesus is like, I can't believe you called it the spirit of him who raised me from the dead. How dare you, Apostle Paul, talk about me that way? He's my spirit. No, see, it shows the Trinity in these verses. The spirit is called all these different names and he doesn't mind at all. Because we begin with the simple reality that God is pleased to have the spirit dwell in you. The only way a person is pleasing to God is for the Spirit of God to dwell in him. Why? Because when the Spirit of God dwells in a person, now that person is Christ. And when that happens, look what it says, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Guess what? When the Spirit dwells in you, Christ does as well. You see what it says? You see, again, the Trinity is at work here. When the Spirit dwells in you, now in verse 10, he says, and if Christ is in you, well, how did Christ get in me? 
Because the Spirit is in me. See, what you learn is that when the Spirit dwells in you, Christ does as well. And if Christ is in you, and I'm here to tell you, if you're here today and you are a born-again follower of Jesus, not only are you indwelt by the Spirit, but now Christ, the resurrected reality of Jesus, dwells within you. And if that happens, notice, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, isn't that a mouthful? Do you want to understand what's going on in you? This is what's going on in me as well. Is that for each one of us, because of the reality of sin on this side of eternity, we still have death within our bodies. Like just the other day, four days ago, I got food poisoning. Oh yeah, not fun. From about seven at night until four in the morning, I was cramping, my whole stomach was cramping up. It was awful. Well, Lynn went to bed because I'm like, just go to bed, I'll figure this thing out. And she woke up and she's like, it's like you were in labor. But I'm like, man, if a baby would have come out, it would have been worth it. It was just some bad meat, you know? No fun at all. It was awful. It was bad. And I'm thinking, as this is going on, I'm like, the body is so dead because of sin. You realize before Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, nobody got food poisoning. Like, nobody was dying. Nobody was in the process of their life winding down. I mean, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it really kind of unbelievably powerfully. He was a pastor and he was also a physician before he became a pastor. And he says, and this is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, the moment we enter into the world and we begin to live, we also begin to die. Your first breath is one of the last you will ever take. The principle of decay leading to death is in every one of us. Now, Sometimes we don't like the radical realism of the Bible. But guess what? That's just true, isn't it? That right as you begin to live, you also begin to die. This world is bound by decay because of sin. And so Paul's not saying that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that vanishes. That's not what he's saying. And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that's what it is. I was talking to someone recently. They were beside themselves. And they said, well, you know, I just don't even know what to do because I'm sick. And I went to a church and they told me the reason I'm sick is because I don't have enough faith. And I just said, I'm so sorry. And I brought them to this verse. I'm like, look, if Christ is in you, we still are subject to the nature of the world in which we live in. Where because of sin, our bodies are decaying. It's true. But... The spirit is life because of righteousness. See, we, you and I are walking paradoxes. That our bodies are winding down, but our spirits are being made alive again because of the righteousness of Jesus. That we have eternal life within us, and then we have the futility of a broken world in us as well at the same time. And Paul wants us to come to grips with that. That Our lives are this paradox of death and life. But ultimately, life is greater than death. Listen to what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 19. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you see what Paul says? He says, listen, when Christ dwells in you by his spirit, the benefits are extraordinary. You realize that when Christ dwells in you, your life is rooted and grounded in love. Because Jesus said, greater love has no other than this. Then a man will lay down his life for his friends. That's why here at Crossroads, you know, there's, we live in a day and age where everybody wants to be Jesus plus something else. You know, like we need Jesus plus this, Jesus plus that, Jesus plus this writing, Jesus plus this other teacher. I mean, we look at Christianity today and it's been splintered into a million different subsets. But then when you read in your, in your Bible that it says that may Christ dwell in you by faith, that you might be rooted and grounded in love. Listen, brothers and sisters, you don't need Jesus plus anything. The reason I believe Crossroads is a great church is because we want to simply respond to Jesus here. My only job is to tell you about who Jesus is. I want you to be disciples of Jesus. I want you to be yoked to Jesus. I want Jesus to be formed in you because I know that if Jesus dwells in you by the Spirit, that you will be rooted and grounded in love. That if you can, by faith, push away all the garbage of our culture and all the garbage of our upbringings and all the garbage of church and you can just get to Jesus, that there is a root and a grounding of love in Christ. And when you find that grounding of love deep in your hearts, then we might be able to comprehend with all the saints, with all the people of God, what is the width and the length and the height and the depth that we might know the love of Christ, which is incomprehensible. I mean, how cool is that? That you and I are on an adventure by the Spirit that God's love, which is beyond our comprehension, that we might be able to comprehend each day a little bit more of it. Every single person you come in contact with, even the most sour and grumpy person, is an opportunity for you to turn inwardly to Jesus and say, Jesus, let me be a vehicle of your love to that person. Now, I don't know about you, when I, get in, when I come in contact with a grumpy person, it brings out the not-so-nice parts of my personality, Right? Like, where I kind of want to be on, I'm like, man, what is your problem? That's what I want to do. Or my new, as my, you all know, I always say when someone's grumpy, I'm like, you know what I always tell my kids? D, B, G. They look at you because they're grumpy. What does that mean? Don't be grumpy. <laughs> Can I buy your coffee? You know, like, you know, but listen, when has Jesus ever forsaken you on your grumpy moments? And when has Jesus ever said, well done, good and faithful servant, when you're grumpy? Has Jesus ever been like, that's my kid, all angry at everybody, so mad about so many things? When has Jesus ever done that? Do you have a verse in the Bible where Jesus is super stoked at grumpiness? It's not in there, right? Actually, your Bible say, do all things without grumbling and complaining. But I bring this up because... When Christ is in you, God now places the totality of love within us and then asks 
us to simply trust him that he can peel away all the garbage that we've learned from society and socialization that we might grow each day to know more and more of God's love. My daily prayer is God that you would enlarge my heart to receive your love and that Lord you would also enlarge my capacity to give that love out. And every day I have to re-up on it. Like after each service I have to re-up on it. Right? After each month I have to like okay can I open my heart? Because what God wants is for us to comprehend what's incomprehensible. And when Christ is in you, you become rooted and grounded in him. As you get to verse 11, look what it says. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Brothers and sisters, guess what? If you're in Christ, then you are resurrected with Jesus. If you're in Christ, then you are resurrected with Jesus. Because he's saying, look, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, the spirit of God dwelling in you, now you become recipients of the very resurrection by which Jesus was resurrected. Talk about the secret sauce of life. Talk about making life different. See, God promises a spiritual resurrection now and he promises a physical resurrection in the future for our mortal bodies. See, the hope of Jesus is not that I just get heaven when I die. It's that in a body that is decaying, I get a spiritual resurrection now that Jesus calls the abundant life and I get an eternal life in the hereafter where Jesus raises this same body up in newness of life. You realize that you get the same body back in the resurrection? How cool is that? Jesus is real. Walking in the Spirit and being a testimony of Jesus' faithfulness has more to do with your actions than you might be aware. You can say all the right things, but if your reactions and lifestyle don't match up, you're giving off the wrong kind of testimony. Pastor Daniel today encouraged you to allow the Holy Spirit to change how you live your life. As he does, you'll find that you're able to show love to those who don't deserve it. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you 
we want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time when Pastor Daniel discusses family dynamics. You come from an earthly family that has its own unique story. You may have been raised in a loving environment, or you may still be hurting from pain families can cause. No matter your family history, you're invited to be part of God's family, adopted into the kingdom through the blood of Jesus. Well, that's all the time you have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.